member here since July of 2007. Um, I came here from the Diocese of Central Florida, so that should tell you something. Um, and uh, I live in Vinings, but Shannon and I, um, who just got married last November, thank you, Supreme Court, um, and uh, we're about to move in, what's the uh, neighborhood called? Anyway, uh, sort of south southwest. So I'm looking forward to talking with everybody. Thank you. Um, I'm Whitney Grimes. I have been coming to All Saints for about three years now. Um, I did not come from another church. I came here um, after about 15 years of being away from church because of the experiences that I had growing up. Um, I was raised Southern Baptist. Um, I have some great stories. <laughs> um, but I actually met Noel, who used to be here. Um, we used to do martial arts together. And then she introduced me to Kim. Um, after she told me that there was a lesbian priest here, and I laughed. Um, and then she introduced me, we had coffee, and that was all she wrote. I've been here ever since. I'm Stephen Cosby, and I've been attending All Saints for about a year and a half. Um, I, too, was born Southern Baptist, um, so I'm silly on that, um, but came from um, another church here in Atlanta. I've lived in the city for about 16 years, um, and live over on the west side in the English Avenue community. Great. Hi, good morning. I'm Scott Porter. I've been coming to All Saints since about 1999. I've uh, joined officially in about 2002. Uh, I grew up Presbyterian in Birmingham, Alabama. And despite that, or believe it or not, our, my church community was pretty supportive of me, particularly when I came out in the early 90s. Um, but the interesting thing about it was it, it was sort of it was the, the supportive church leaders were in the closet themselves. They had to sort of be, um, you know, discreet about being affirming. Um, and so coming to All Saints back in the, the late 90s and um, uh, the, the affirmation was very outward and open and it was, it was pretty wonderful. So I live in Virginia Highlands with my husband and two kids. Thank you, and we give thanks that here at All Saints we don't have to be discreet about pretty much anything. Uh, that may be just us, <laughs> the way we uh, approach the world. Um, I just want to give thanks for you, uh, each of you, uh, to be willing. There's an, an act of vulnerability to, to be here and to share. Um, and, and I've shared for you, we're not going to go down the line. It's just going to answer questions as you wish to. Um, but I do give thanks that, um, that you, you are helping us if you like, see into your hearts, and there is no truer place to see if you want to understand the gospel as it could be lived out in our lives. Uh, so I wanted to begin with a question, and as you hear the answers to this question, I just invite you to think back for yourself of how this was for you, and the, the question is, not only was it, what was it like, what did you notice in your head, but what did your body notice, your whole being notice and know the first time you came to this community, and I know that for some of you that's stretching back a little further than others, um, but I do invite that actually as a, as a, if you like, a spiritual discipline to try to think about what did my whole being notice or know, that deeper, almost, you know, the soul kind of resides in the gut in a way, whatever that really means, but a deeper sense of knowing. When you first came to this community, what could you share about that? I'll jump in just because it's a, a segue from what I was just saying, you know, I moved to Atlanta, was looking around, had gone to a, several Presbyterian churches because that was my background. Nothing felt quite right, didn't quite fit. Um, I was encouraged to come here and came and 
went to service and right there in the bulletin, it talked about a meeting of gay and lesbians of all saints. And it l I think what happened was I was ner I was anxious about that. I was like, you can't just put it in the bulletin. Like, <laughs> you can't just say that. Like, it can be a, like a secret meeting that people know about. But <laughs> holy moly! Um, so I was I was sort of struck by that. And uh, but obviously it was pretty pretty amazing. And um, so just knowing that the church was proud to be accepting uh, was was pretty um, impactful. And obviously I kept coming. Um, so my experience, I already told you a little bit about how I was introduced to All Saints, um, but growing up in the church I was raised in, my, my family has been in Georgia for way longer than we like to admit. Um, I'm about as Georgia peach as you can get, and my dad's family helped build the church I was raised in in 1910. So it was just where we went. That's just the church we went to. Um, and I grew up hearing things like, if you're gay, not only will you go to hell, but you deserve it. Um, I had a preacher once put a Coke tab on his ear. He taped it and pretended it was an earring and said that it's wrong for men to have earrings because that's a sign of homosexuality. And those are some of the things I heard. So naturally, when I say I took 15 years away from church, there is a very strong reason for that. And coming here was great, but the first service that I think I kind of felt like my whole body experienced, um, like the love of this church, was um, my first Pride Eucharist which was three years ago, and coming to a, a service that was all LGBTQ plus clergy, where everyone was celebrating who they were and hearing, um, and the songs that were being sung were actually like old school hymns that night, very different from normal service here. So hearing like these old hymns that I heard in a Southern Baptist church, and then hearing them in this setting, which was so loving, it was one of the most restorative experiences I've ever had. And I was like covering my face because I was bawling like a baby. And I don't like to cry in front of people because I turn really red. Um, so I'm like hiding myself right there. But at the same time, it was one of the most ex amazing experiences. And it was really that time. Um, and that was the fall after I started going here that I knew I was just like, okay. And I moved to the Burbs and I still commute here because I found this community and found this place. And it was, it really is, like Simon said, a full body experience when you feel that um, acceptance and that love at that, at that level. So I came in July of 2007. Um, and as you, many of you probably know, Jeffrey would make his best effort to know your name by the time you were there the second time. And so he we were having that second time conversation and I mentioned to him that I came here from Diocese of Central Florida. Now, there are eight dioceses that still are not very accepting of LGBT folk. Um, and Central Florida is one of them and certainly it was in 2007. So I said to Jeffrey, hi, I'm Gretchen um, and I've, I've just moved here from Central Florida and his response was, oh, they let you out, did they? <laughs> <laughs> so that got a laugh from me. And, <laughs> and that was a full body, oh my God, I have come to the right place. Now, mind you, I had done a little um, prior reconnaissance. Um, someone that I went to church with in Orlando uh, is the sister of um, Virginia Schenk. And they told me, oh, you're moving to Atlanta, try All Saints. Now there are uh, numerous churches here, but I trusted their judgment and 
the other thing that I want to tell you about is, uh, you know, so I, I, I knew it was safe. Uh, I picked up the pew card where, uh, you know, you can fill in your name and um, what your needs might be. And on that pew card are married, single, divorced, partnered. And when I saw that word, partnered, that's, that's when I knew I was in the place. Now, go forward a little bit. I mentioned to someone that I'm gay on, on Celebration of Ministry Sundays. I said, oh, here, carry the sign. <laughs> <laughs> so it's just <coughs> what's remarkable about All Saints to me, especially having come from Central Florida, is it's just par for the course. On any given Sunday, if you took all of the LGBT people off the altar and off uh, out of the pews, you would have a very empty church. So I just, I just celebrate that w who we are and how normal everything feels to us. So like I said, I came to All Saints about a year and a half ago, and um, I had several friends recommend the church to me. Um, I only came out about a couple of years ago, um, and so this is a fairly recent journey for me. Um, but for the past uh, 15 years prior to my attending All Saints, I'd been a part of a church on the west side, um, one that is very deeply rooted in um, a disinvested community, um, and their focus is really on um, racial reconciliation and incarnational ministry, living alongside um, people who are experiencing injustice. So that's a part of my, kind of the focus of, of my faith, um, but after I came out to my pastor's um, and spoke to them about remaining a part of that church and, and remaining in leadership. Um, I had been on our church council for seven years and had chaired it for four years. Um, I became aware that I was no longer welcome um, in leadership um, without conditions. And so that was, um, it was heartbreaking for me to go through that and to, um, to feel uh, a disconnect with these people and this ministry that I'd been a part of for many years and really was a part of why I chose to stay in Atlanta after I moved down after college. Um, and so I was coming out of a place of, um, of being hurt, of being frustrated, um, and feeling um, just kind of uh, isolated within the church community. And so coming to All Saints, I felt this kind of like this, like my whole body just relaxed mm. when I came into the church. Um, and I don't know what it was. I think it was uh, just the sense of gracious welcome, authentic welcome from, from many of you, and that um, you know when it's real. Mm. Um, but also things going back to my childhood, the hymns from some of the Southern Baptist hymns that I grew up singing, um, the smell of the, the wood floor and the pews and things that kind of triggered things in, in my brain um, from childhood, the, the pipe organ, which I had growing up and I haven't had for many years in church, which makes me cry almost every Sunday. Um, so it's, it's very much a, a full body <laughs> experience to, to come here. And I think that gracious sense of welcome is very much a part of that. Thank you, Each. It's, it seems to me self-evident that if not the first, one of the first instincts of all saints is welcome. And, and given the, the point in time where each of you came in, I want to just uh, lift up um, the leadership of Harry Pritchard and that season in this church's life where, as I've heard it described uh, by others of Harry's leadership, that Harry 
expanded our definition of love, expanded how we might love, have that love just, just be beautifully, if you like, beautifully indiscriminate. And at my experience in my previous parish teaches me, taught me specifically around uh, the struggles that people can have, some of the struggles that you've named, that you really need it to be spelled out for you, sometimes in a new way to really let it click. And our, 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 the, my previous diocese had a practice where if somebody wished at that point to have their union blessed by the church, then the church had to go through a study period. That's what the bishop had laid out and so on. And uh, it was probably the most electric vestry meeting. Every vestry meeting in all things is electric. But this vestry meeting uh, back in San Diego was just electric. It was a, we had it out in the hall and church was there watching us having this vestry meeting um, by design, uh, coming up with the unanimous vote that we did, that we would move ahead. But it was two um, military uh, officers that we were to bless, whose union we were to bless, and they simply described how their entire, not only their career, but a bit like the clergy, um, you may know this for yourself, that it, when you're in the military, it feels like that's, an, that's a lot more than a job. <laughs> it's the whole being. That their whole, that their life had been transformed in an instant when don't ask, don't tell was repealed. Yesterday, if I said something, my entire military career could be over. Today, if somebody says something to me, that senior officer or everyone would be would face consequences. It's just military is like today, tomorrow, instant. But it took me to hear the, the lament in their lives and in their voices and in their hearts of how they'd live with this. If you like the, you can't put it in the bulletin, how they'd live with this, uh, what felt like a, 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 the secret interior that was such a gift to their lives. All that to say, I give thanks for, for hearing those stories and I give thanks that for Harry's leadership, just to build in some of that history that you may not know, that this church was early and often in opening itself up for families whose loved ones had died of AIDS. And some of you were here at that time um, when other church communities were um, simply wouldn't do it as a point of principle or were afraid to do it out of all sorts of uh, you know, various fears that we now know are you know, medically or scientifically unsound. Whatever it was, this church said, this, these doors are open. Here we may meet one another. And I think that has been part of how we have grown and deepened as a church community. I want to pick up then that historical story um, because each of you arrived after Harry um, went off to the wild lands of New York uh, from this place. Um, can, can you pick up any parts of your experience? I'm really looking at Scott and Gretchen at the moment. Your experience of All Saints that do stand out, that, that tell something of the story of how we have grown and developed as a church. Um, that makes me think about my experience with galas, um, which in I think either 2008 or 2009, I became aware of, of galas and they were looking to turn over the leadership in that. So galas is gays and lesbians at All Saints. Um, at that point, I took over uh, as co-chair of galas. This was not just a church that welcomed me and uh, considered me to be a vital part and all of me to be a vital part of the ministry in the church. There was actually a subgroup in All Saints named galas and we did things 
to to talk about advocacy to further that arc of justice a little bit more along the way um, and compare that to what I experienced in Central Florida, which is uh, when it was time to renew my Eucharistic minister license, I was handed a form that said, uh, I promise to be in a heterosexual marriage or celibate if single. Uh, and either you signed that uh, or you didn't get to serve as a Eucharistic minister, visitor, or even a lector. So that is, is my experience of, of All Saints. And uh, I'll mention one other thing. Um, Herbie Lanoue and I did a class in 2013 uh, that was based on a book called um, Gifted by Otherness. And the basic premise of that book is LGBTQ people are not simply to be tolerated or, or welcomed, they are to be celebrated for what gifts we have to offer the church. So Simon, you t telling the story about the journey that you went through with your vestry made me think of what our church went through in the vestry. Um, and I, I look at a Joe Bryan who's sitting here today and, and was on the vestry at that time. And, um, and I say thank you, and I know all of us do, for you and everybody else who was on the vestry at that time. Um, uh, Scott and I, my husband uh, and I were the first, I think we were the first couple to be blessed by Jeffrey. Um, and you know, again, the journey, we, we couldn't do it in the church, so we did it um, off-site uh, in another <coughs> another place. But but that was really bold and, and, and daring and brave of Jeffrey to do and, and risky um, for him uh, and for the church. Um, but it was, you know, it's a step along the journey. And, of course, now we have services here in the church, and it's it's wonderful. But the other thing I wanted to mention about that was we, we really recreated the church in this event space and we had an altar and we did a full Eucharist and we did a full service and so many of our friends came and they, like some of the stories that you guys are telling, um, you know, had just grown up with pretty bad experiences and, and church was, church, being gay and church were sort of mutually exclusive in their minds. So they came to this service not knowing what to expect and they come in and I think a lot of them were just like sort of blown away by the fact that we actually had our, our priest there and um, and and it was an incredibly impactful and um, evangelical moment I think for our church because so many people realized that there were churches out there that were affirming and loving and um, so that was a, an incredibly important um, I think moment for our, our the history of our church and was just the beginning and I know Ann Stewart and Ellen were a year later and you know it just goes on from there so Thank you. I wonder if I could now uh, in invite Whitney and Stephen. You don't both have to answer. You're most welcome to. Uh, I'm going to put you under pressure. But um, that, that one of the great gifts of people that come to a church for the first time is that their eyes are fresh to the community and are filled with the wider city that we live in. So it's a great gift. It helps us see ourselves through the right kind of lens, lest we just sort of be looking only at ourselves and we imagine our mission. So I'm curious about um, where you, um, where you sort of see things to, to celebrate today, but also where you see opportunities for growth. And I'll, I'll start with the two of you and open up to all four of you, where we may have opportunities, particularly given perhaps either your professional lives that, that give you an insight into that, 
um, your, your life uh, on a more sort of on a volunteer basis, organizations or community groups that you're part of, or simply just what you see uh, out in this city. So that sense of what could be in our future. Yeah, and I actually think about this question a lot just for outreach in general. And yesterday, um, I spent a few hours at the diocese booth at Pride, and it was a blast for me getting to talk to people, see their faces, make the same face I did the first time I heard there was a church that I could go to. Um, but I think that we're at a kind of a, a turning point now with this movement for inclusion that we have to be very careful not to let this movement become exclusive, that we don't focus only on the progressive churches. We find safe spaces in Episcopal churches, um, in Lutheran churches, um, even though there's uh, still a battle being fought, a lot of Methodist churches. But a lot of people forget that some people don't want to leave their denominations. Some people don't want to have to learn the experiences and rituals of a different church. So I think that it's very important that this message for inclusion is not just an Episcopal message, but a Christian message and that we remember that fighting for inclusion needs to reach everybody. And if someone says, I don't want to go to your church because y'all do weird sit down, stand up stuff, and I don't like that, <laughs> that we say, that's cool. Let's see what we can do to find you a community that you could feel comfortable in. Um, and aside from that, also just working really hard at realizing that LGBTQ+, plus, we uh, tend to forget the TQ+. Plus. And... Um, I think right now we're also at a very important moment for that, for inclusion, that when it comes to transgender inclusion and also using correct pronouns and remembering that there's so many different types of people that those people are also feeling just as welcome as gay, lesbian, and bisexual people have been. Yeah, I will speak to um, kind of the intersectional nature of, uh, of, of kind of my journey. Um, so not having been out for a super long period of time, I can just kind of speak from my experience in my neighborhood and this previous church. And, um, you know, I think the reading this morning and the sermon was incredibly powerful. I mean, speaking to um, the shalom of the city um, and that um, our welfare is tied up in the welfare of our brothers and sisters. Um, and I really believe that at my core. And I see... Um, also that my liberation is tied up in the liberation of those around me. And so for me, that's in my neighborhood um, uh, filled with people who are, um, are blocked from opportunity and pathways um, for wealth building and just living a healthy, successful, connected life. Um, and the city of Atlanta, um, I think in 2019, is ludicrous. Um, I think it's ridiculous that you can drive a mile that way and hit the neighborhood. Um, a neighborhood that, that a lot of people um, don't see, don't think about, um, but a place where most of my neighbors are making less than $20,000 a year. Um, how do you raise a family on that? Um, and so I think that when we look at issues around um, having an expansive definition of inclusion, you know, that we are thinking about those who come from different sexual orientation um, perspectives, but, but also those who are locked out of opportunity. And what can we do as the church um, to not, again, just tolerate people as they come, um, but to pursue those relationships and understand that, um, that our understanding of our faith and living it out truly um, is tied up in the life of, of these people who, who are locked out, who are not experiencing that as well. Um, and I've found incredible um, 
friendships and, and relationships and um, in those, you know, in those spaces of, like you said, Simon, those spaces of, of discomfort. When we realize that I'm, my faith is demanding that I'm pulled, I'm tugged in this direction, um, and that we just, we surrender. We give over ourselves and say, I don't know how I'm going to feel about this, and I don't know what you're leading me toward, but I feel like I've got to keep pursuing this. I think that's such a great point because, um, you know, it's all, it's all the same message, right? It's all about the fact that we're all God's children and we're all loved, and I think Candidly, I think sometimes in the gay community we can get a little bit too inwardly focused um, and, and, and so fo singularly focused on our issues, um, but really our issues are everyone else's issues and um, you know, fighting for justice and fighting for equality and fighting for um, opportunity for all, that's, that's, that's a universal um, message that's obviously so tied into our faith. And I, I just want to call out Galas for, you know, its work with Threads over the years. I mean, that's an example, I think, of where our community has, has reached out and said we want to help, you know, um, we want to be very involved and visible in, in, in helping, um, helping other uh, communities in need. Um, what I would say is I think that we can do a better job of being, um, uh, you know, of, 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 for lack of a better word, marketing or evangel evangelizing our our, our welcomeness and our af affirmation of, of, um, of all people. I think, you know, uh, I drive around town and you see other churches with signs out, particularly this month with rainbow flags or signs that say, uh, you know, God is still speaking to us and um, all are welcome here, those kinds of things. So I think we can be a little bit more visible about that. Um, I noticed even today the prayer referencing Galus. If, if you're a new person here, you wouldn't know who, what Galus is. Like, we need to call it out, like that bulletin in 1999. Gay and lesbians of all things, we need to just acknowledge that and own it. Um, I think we can kind of take it for granted when we're thinking about ourselves, but we, we need to always think about the fact that there's someone driving down the street, there's someone here for the first time, and we need to make sure that, that they, 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 um, they know, because we have a lot to be proud of, and so we should, we should um, demonstrate it. <laughs> and to that point, uh, the one of the pieces that strikes me um, tragically, uh, it is not tragic that I get to hear about it, but there's a tragic rate of losses of life or loss of life at the Georgia Tech campus. That's not to focus on Georgia Tech, but it's the closest geographic campus to us. And I received those emails and um, and it's, we think about just that, that, that level of, that stage of life, where maybe for the first time a young person has got that little bit of independence um, and they're facing all sorts of pressures. I mean, just lots of things changing all at once. We have a tremendous opportunity. So when I think about that, do, um, do the students there at Georgia Tech know that there is potentially, not to overstate it, a life-saving community right here, across just across the street, just up the street. Um, and so how do we do that in a way that is humble, but is also able to sort of tell the full story of, of the good news of how we might, um, we might meet Christ in one another. Um, so I, I, I give thanks for that, and I want to encourage us and all of us to keep on asking the question of how do we press forward how do we step into the city to, to dis and discern and discover those places where we're needed most? And it may be also, it's just a mile down the road, 
and we say, what about if we, uh, w w we planted our lives there and in some way? So all of this is, is great conversation for us to keep on having. I want to open up for about 10, maybe a little bit over 10, but about 10 minutes of questions and answers. And I'm going to, if I can just borrow one mic and then we'll sort of pass it around. Um, uh, so does anyone want to ask any questions um, uh, this morning from the, from the audience? the gathering. Okay, Kevin, thank you. So this might actually be a question for you. Okay, uh, I'm ready. It's triggered, <laughs> but it's, it's triggered by something Whitney said that I thought was really interesting, which is this notion of, um, you know, so we're the right church for, for some people, but for some people, maybe they want to stay where they are, but that community is less welcoming to them. And I'm wondering, given what Scott and, and others who've been, and Harry's here, um, the journey that we went through as a church and as uh, the vestry at the time and clergy and whatnot, and to get to where we are, mm. that could that in some way be be marshaled as a resource to other churches that are earlier in other denominations? I mean, or or Episcopal churches, maybe in Central Florida, um, that are struggling with that, and to say, hey, here was how we remained in community through. And I remember Jeffrey saying years ago. Um, that at the time he was getting about as many irate emails from each side of the issue, and so he figured he was having it about right. But s something about the process that we've gone through and that, again, that we've remained in community, that that could serve as a resource to other vestries, mm. clergy, and others who are trying, who are really struggling with this. Um, and that hopefully maybe that eventually leads to those churches kind of moving forward and then people can kind of remain where they are without having to, to change. I don't know whether there's an opportunity there, but it's just a question. Yeah, it's interesting. So this time, not quite this time, but last Sunday evening when Kathleen Jeffers Shorey was here, a member of the, uh, of the gathering, they sort of offered this challenge of, you know, what about other churches in the neighborhood? And they called this the Peachtree Corridor Churches. Um, and I mean, that, that is, that, that'll be a, ch challenge to also you know throw in the temple which is of course a powerhouse in the Jewish community here in the city but what might it be like to join with those other churches um, those that are struggling less and may have articulated a, a clear and uh, and uh, vision and way ahead and those that really are in the midst of struggling either as a church or within their denominations you think of the Methodist Church up the road here um, and and those that may be not wanting to get to that conversation and that, you know, we've got, we've got the full range here to a degree. Um, and the point that was made, the bishop sort of echoed the question and said, yeah, I think if churches in the Peachtree Corridor, it was a question about something else, a different issue last Sunday, but if they really got together and addressed something, took something on as a challenge, when you, when you, you draw across these lines, his point was, I, th you know, I think that would kind of start getting up the mayor's agenda if it was something that we wanted to do for the city. But likewise, for the community here, imagine how powerful it would be um, because what the, the campus ministry, for example, at Georgia Tech, is, is uh, I maybe hope I'm not getting this wrong, but as I understand it, is largely um, represented by sort of forms of Christianity that are perhaps more conservative. And so a cross-denominational uh, a, a sort of collection of churches that represented quite a widespread of uh, traditions within perhaps a more sort of spacious ground for, for, for folks who are thinking, where do I find my community? 
really could resonate for the people that go, I don't want to leave the Lutheran church or I'm really in pain in the Methodist church right now, but I'm a Methodist, so I've got to stay with my people. That could be very powerful. And I think that increasingly, I think that's the challenge we're called to walk toward is to get out of our parochialism, not specifically all saints, but just Christianity in general. But we know that across in other sectors of life. How can we kind of get out of our lanes and join others um, and, and create a wider platform? So it's a great question. Thank you, Kevin. Any hey, questions that are not for me? No, I'm kidding. Comment yeah. on that? Yes, please, please I, do, I, Scott. I d um, and I'm, uh, this was Ann Stewart's great point that she made to me, um, knowing that I was going to be here today, but I, th I thought it was really an important one. You know, along those same lines, th the more conservative evangelical churches are very, very active politically. And I know we've had a we've been in a lot of conversation lately about how we can be more um, vo visible as and representing our faith um, in the public sphere. And I think you know you think about um, the Supreme Court decision uh, case that was heard this week. The fact that you can still be fired for being gay in Georgia. Um, there's a lot of we're not you know I think a lot of us thought well we won the marriage ruling we're done. We're not we're not even close to done. There's so much more to be done. And I think us being out there and having our voices heard on these issues as people of faith um, is just so important. And so I, um, you know, I know we have the faithful, uh, faithful locals and, and, um, and other folks who are out there d doing th this great work. And I would just encourage all of us to be more involved in, in that because I think it's so important. And please do, uh, the, we're, we're in a sort of discernment phase of the Committee of Faith and Public Life and happens to be the chair is sitting right here. So if you have thoughts about that, we're gonna spend the fall trying to name our work for the next year. Um, then, then Linda would love to hear from you. I would love to hear from you. We're trying to do that very thing to think of how do we sort of map out the sort of stepping forward in the year ahead. We probably have time for one more question. Just, you know, short homily. Anything you want to offer here would be welcome. <laughs> Just so the recording can pick it up. Yeah. In um, the voice lifters to tell the story about the voice lifters because I only learned about that this year. Does anyone know about the voice lifters? <laughs> I do. Um, and I'm looking out to see if there's anybody who was in it before Scott and I were. But oh, uh, there you go. Well, you guys, you guys take this one because you probably know this. But Sarah, Sarah, you want to take that? <laughs> okay. Um, Francis Clark, some years ago. I'm Sarah Hill. And Francis Clark came to me, uh, Francis and Jim, and said they wanted to start meeting on a regular basis with the bishop so that he could learn that gay people could have straight friends and normal lives. And so would Harvey and I like to join? And I said, well, let me talk to Harvey. And I did, and he said, well, I'd love to have regular meetings with Jim and Francis, but I'm not so sure about the bishop. <laughs> well, he overcame that. I was proud. And, um, and so for five years, once a month on Sunday nights, gays and straights met in people's homes for dinner. And mostly it was storytelling, people telling their stories. And it was, it was transformational. Oh, gosh. Uh, well, it was when Frank Allen was bishop. Would have been in the 80s. And, um, and then after five years, we stopped, but then the next generation came along and 
and then it's your story. We joined in the early 2000s, and um, it was, you know, it was just a wonderful opportunity for for people to get together and, and share their stories. And and we enjoyed hearing the stories from from sort of when the group got first founded, and and how, you know, that was a big deal. I mean, t for to for to get to get together over dinner in someone's home, um, breaking bread with with gay and straight people together was actually a big deal. It seems so. Um, you know, uh, now that just doesn't even seem like uh, uh, that it could be revolutionary, but at the time, I think it was, and um, and 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 it definitely um, uh, impacted a lot of people's lives. And we had a, a great time with the group for many years. So, cool. <laughs> so, Louise, we probably have time for one last question. Just up there. Right. The letter T, trans. Do we do we have a program for? trans uh, people here, or do, we, or do we know if we have any trans people here that we could minister to? I might take that one, but, uh, but, but yeah. <laughs> 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 hey, Matt. <laughs> um, so we don't have a specific program. Um, we do, we, we, we have had not only um, individuals, but individual leaders, um, and I think I'll let them identify themselves, but they've allowed us to move some of our conversations forward. Uh, there's been a training that has been offered by uh, a, a parishioner here that's now gone to the wider diocese called Beyond Binarism. Um, and that's been offered to staff, uh, and it's been offered to vestries and, and others. Um, and I think the Episcopal Church, which, um, um, th that, you know, this particular expression of it here in Atlanta is uh, a work in progress. I was glad to say, I thought I was just being the typical rector of All Saints, standing up at a clergy conference and asking a question about uh, aspirants for holy orders who, are, who were trans. And they said, oh, we're way ahead of you, you're fine, sit down. Um, <laughs> that they already had a policy and they already had practice and they'd already had several aspirants. And I was glad that that was news to me. At the same time, there is always work ahead. And um, my, my children now attend a school where um, it, it is a beautiful mix of all sorts of racial backgrounds. And that's just their normal as children. So just like it's like now, we think we're having a meal together. No, I hope that we'll, we'll look back and maybe we can just keep on pushing that envelope that it's not 30 years, but 15, or it's not 20 years, but it's 10, whatever we, however we can move things forward in our community and beyond where, where the sort of growth edges become the new normal. And then we identify the next growth edge and then that becomes the new normal. Um, and, and I think that, that that's just one of the beauties for me uh, of Atlanta. Uh, I, I heard Natasha Reed Rice yesterday at the Islamic Speakers Bureau Gala speak about not only is the um, Atlanta the city that's too busy to hate, she was offering an invocation, but it's a city that's too committed to itself not to love. And I think that's the beauty of where we are and our place in the country is that we can, um, we can find other communities and other voices um, and, and expand our tent. 
um, as we seek to, to lead and be with others. So um, in, that, in that vein, I, w I want to give thanks for the four of you um, for your, your eloquence, um, for your openness, um, and for what I experienced this morning was a kind of holy joy, uh, the Holy Spirit having a good time with us. And I give thanks that, that, that you are leaders in this community right here this morning. And I do encourage you, um, uh, as long as you make it like maybe halfway through the service, if you came for the 11.15, but to linger and just be in conversation uh, with folks or with one another. But would you join me in offering a warm round of applause to our panelists? <laughs>